Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscovered Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! In the early 90s, London-based producer Jeff Wilkinson was given full access to legendary jazz label Blue Note Records' entire discography to use samples in his project, Us Three. The resulting album, Hand on the Torch, mixed modern hip-hop with classic jazz, and on the heels of the first single, Cantaloupe, Flip Fantasia, the record quickly ascended to the top 10 on the Billboard charts. Today on the show, we dive into the rest of Us Three's music to decide if there should have been a few more bitty bitty bops in the mainstream, or if this project was just too funky funky to enjoy more success. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder Well, bitty bitty bop to you, Matt. Ah, funky funky, Chris. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I love it. <laughs> that should be our greeting from now on. 
I mean, this is another snooze you lose, but this is also one that we've brought up like 14 different times on past episodes, so it felt like it was just time to do it. Have people forgot about us three at this point? I think they have. And I mean, there's not, here's the thing there's not a ton out there about the group us, us three, but the emotions and like the artists that this reminded me of just listening to this, this debut album by them, like I can just get into a whole, I mean, this, there was such a cool movement in the late night or in the early 90s that we just completely forgot about, which was like the jazz. Uh, the jazz infused hip hop that is like so my shit. <laughs> hmm. Like, hmm. Okay. So, what you're saying is that you like jazz. I don't know if I necessarily <laughs> like jazz, but I like Tribe Called Quest, who sampled a lot of jazz. I liked that first De La Soul album that sampled a lot of jazz records. I think that jazz mixed with hip hop can be really cool, especially the sound of like an upright bass. Like I always think of the opening to Low End Theory that's just like the upright bass and Q-tip wrapping over top of it. Like there is a very cool marriage that can happen with those two sounds. And I think us three probably did the best job out of any for creating a song that really exemplified that because Cantaloupe, fucking rules that's this song's amazing you didn't answer my question do you like jazz is the question yes that's that's uh, an interesting answer to that question and i've always been like well i guess i'm supposed to like jazz so yeah i guess i like jazz because i'm supposed to it feels wrong not to but recently i saw a fred armison stand-up routine i don't know if you've seen this matt about jazz have you seen it no i'm not a fan of jazz and i don't think anyone in this room is a fan of jazz i don't think anyone really likes it it's it's a role we all play we all we act like it's part of our lives but um my problem with jazz is that it it sounds like itself. It sounds like jazz. When I hear it, I, I don't think, oh, I love this song. I think, ah, that's jazz. I thought that was so funny. And then he goes on to play a record of jazz. He's like, I want you to raise your hand when you start to check out. And it, was, <laughs> it was within five seconds. Everyone's like raising their hand. So no, I don't like jazz, but I think you have a good point. When you mix it with other types of music, it can be a cool element of a different type of music. But on its own, I'm good on jazz. I've never intentionally put on jazz. See, I actually have. I One of my first wow. classes I took in college was intro to jazz on like the breakdown of the history of jazz and Blue Note records and, and all of that. And we're going to get into Blue Note. You know, I also, you have to remember that I grew up with a grandfather who played in Dixieland bands. So like there's that New Orleans style jazz that I actually genuinely love. And I will like decide to put on New Orleans jazz music. Back up a second, because I've heard you mention this a lot. What is Dixieland music? Because that makes me, the word Dixie... I mean, that's kind of become a bad word recently, so much so that th the chicks took the Dixie yeah, out of their name. And it, I think it has some ties to whatever the the uh, um, it's tied to the South. It, and that's why I usually after I say Dixieland once, I usually I'm like, let's just call it New Orleans jazz. Yeah. Um, so go. like, in, <laughs> yeah. So a New Orleans jazz band, usually it is a banjo player 
uh, a guy playing just like a snare with maybe a cymbal and then mm -hmm. some combination of like trumpet, trombone, clarinet. Um, it's cool. usually four to five piece groups and it's like like the the perfect like uh, New Orleans jazz songs, like stuff that people would all know is like when the Saints go marching in. Like, Or even like um, the Harlem Globetrotters song. Like if you hear like Ooh. a jazzy version of that, like it's dancing. Hold on a second, back up. Wait, what was I? No, no, I did Andy Griffith. You were singing Andy Griffith. Yeah. Dude, that song plays in my head every time I'm like shooting around, shooting hoops, dribbling the ball. <laughs> that song plays in my head. <laughs> da -da -da. Yeah, I can't believe you, you. It's whistling songs. I don't know what to tell you, but but there's that. But then, like in the jazz guys, I learned to love like Duke Ellington. Like I think Duke Ellington makes some really cool songs. He did a song that I actually put on a lot of like Halloween playlists because it sounds like a song that you would hear in like a spooky Looney Tunes cartoon. You would be into spooky Looney Tunes music. <laughs> oh, 100%. East St. Louis Toodaloo is the name of the song. I just imagine like a black and white Looney Tunes cartoon as it's like zooming in on like a creepy house in like a swamp or something. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I think that there there is good things to come from jazz, but is it something that I'm like sitting down actively listening to? Not really. But mm -hmm. I also had an the the college I went to. Our jazz teacher was awesome. It was this guy, Doctor Paul Green. He taught jazz. He taught American music, and he taught world uh, world music, and. He reminded me of Mr. Holland from Mr. Holland's Opus. Like he kind of looked like Richard Dreyfus a little bit, and he was Ooh. just like very soft spoken. and And I was like, this guy's really cool, and he was so nice, and he like had this insane knowledge of every genre of music. Like no matter what genre you threw at him, he could like break down the entire history of that music. And I just thought he was like this cool, like weird guy that was teaching at a commuter campus <laughs> in in like Delaware County. And then I was receiving an award. And he was also getting like the teacher of the year award and they started reading his credentials and it was like he lived in Africa and discovered a tribe that communicated exclusively through music and is like wildly respected in like the music and like <laughs> like worlds. But like he just grew up near Philadelphia. So like when he was done doing all of that research, he's like, I just want to teach jazz music <laughs> to college freshmen. What and award were like, you winning? It was just like a student activities award because I did like a lot of like event planning for the campus. Ooh. So it was just like community service award or something. He was winning something special. I was winning like a participation trophy. Award. I thought you were winning biggest jazz fan. Uh, so we should talk about us three. We should talk about we us three. Who basically, us, us two will talk about us three right now. Us three <laughs> is basically us one. That one being 
Jeff Wilkinson, which when I saw the name Jeff Wilkinson, I was like, that's like a name if someone said, make up a name on the spot. I go, <laughs> I go Jeff Wilkinson. <laughs> I don't, but it is spelled like Geoff Wilkinson, like that spelling of it. I don't know why. That's just like Wilkinson's always one of those names I would go to if I was like making up a name. Anyway, Jeff Wilkinson was sampling jazz music, uh, particularly from the Blue Note Records catalog, and he created a song. Can't remember the name of the song. It wasn't Cantaloupe. It was a different song. I think it was before he was even called Us Three. But the song got played on London's Kiss FM, which I don't know. If I have to go off what the Pittsburgh Kiss FM is, I guess it would be like the big top 40 station. Um, but anyway, he got played on there with this mashup he did, I guess. And he got summoned to EMI's offices in London. And he was nervous because the sample wasn't cleared. He figured he was going to get sued. But somehow, Jeff Wilkinson talked himself out of being sued and into the Blue Note Records vaults. And uh, that was thanks to the Blue Note president at the time. This is before Don Waz. I guess you're pronouncing their names wrong in the yeah. Was Not Was, was Not Was episode there, Matt. But uh, Bruce Lundvall, I guess, saw the potential in what Jeff was doing. And he allowed him to sample the Blue Note Records catalog and create more music. He made it prove... He made him prove it to him first by doing demos, but it was only two years later that Cantaloupe was sitting in the U.S. top 10. I also want to say, because this is just a weird thing, one of our past guests had a very similar situation. Yeah? <laughs> Mega Ran. Mega Ran, oh, when Nintendo, he did his... Nintendo. When he did his Nintendo album, he got zero clearances to put out that first album and got a phone call from Nintendo and thought that it was to sue him and it was for Nintendo to open up their music vault to him where he could touch and use anything from their catalog for, for as much as he wanted because they were like, we never even thought someone could do this with the music that we had created. Like they were... Sometimes, man, it's it's that it's that little risk. You can either be an us three or you can be a Bismarck. Matt, what you're referring to, if anyone hasn't listened to the Chris to Makes a Podcast episode about Bismarck Key yet, this is around the same time, man. That's what's yeah. crazy. This is what year is is this us three stuff going down? Ninety. This is ninety three. So I think the Bismarcky was a little bit before that. Two years. It was only yeah. two years between there. And what Matt was referring to is not on just a friend, but it was a, a, the next. I guess what was supposed to be a, a big single for Bismarck Key, uh, sampled or interpolated Gilbert Alone Again. Yeah. Yeah. Gilbert O'Sullivan's Alone Again Naturally. And Gilbert O'Sullivan was not having it. So he sued Bismarck Key. Bismarck Key had to pull the album, took the song off the album. And that was the first case of someone going after someone for sampling. And it, the dominoes <laughs> fell from there. But Matt, like I said in that episode of Krista Makes, I can't believe it took that long. How did it yeah. take till 1991 for that so, to happen? I've said this before, but I think that, again, we got to put a little bit of blame on the Beastie Boys because when they put out that Paul's Boutique, it sampled 105 songs over 12 tracks. And that like drew a lot of attention because they were sampling like the Beatles on it like they were sampling like major major artists and I think that that was what first sent up a flare of like 
we don't have any law to stop these people <laughs> from sampling this music right now. Um, I think it was just such a gross over over sampleage on that album that like they probably started putting in their work to figure out how to make that like to make there be a law for that. And I guess Bismarcky was just the he was the two live crew. You know what I mean? Like he was just the person who was there that was the easiest target to go after because he was like a well established artist <laughs> from his previous single. Yeah, someone, hey Matt, someone in, in the, the Facebook group, Chris Makes, had like a snarky comment. Like, I hope you cover how Bismarcky ruined it for everybody. I'm going to be like, <laughs> no, that was, he was just the guy. He was just, that just happened there. Like, someone, it was going to happen. And to be honest, Matt, if someone sampled a song I wrote, I'd want to get the royalties on <laughs> yeah, it. Could, couldn't it then come full circle? Like, <laughs> couldn't someone then sample the song that was using a sample? And then that 100%. artist might be like, what the hell? <laughs> you know? So uh, I think that it's a legit thing. Like, No, I, it's a legit. I have zero problems with with that. I also think that it's cool that, you know, they had full access to the Blue Note li uh, library and Cantaloupe is the kickoff of the record. And I love that it kicks off with that speech. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, we have something special down here at Birdland this evening. A recording for Blue Note Records. And then we just kick into this hour long album of all Blue Note Records samples as like the as you go through this. Really cool journey. I'm not sure about you. I really liked this record. When I was done listening to this, I was like, I will listen to this again for sure. Um, I'll get into that in a second. I wanted okay. to read. This goes along with, with what you're saying, Matt. But here's a quote from Jeff Wilkinson about all of this. He said, I always thought there was a huge potential audience for jazz among younger people. And I wanted us three to be a point of access for them by sampling classic jazz tracks, mixing them with beats and raps and having younger jazz cats play on top. I was acknowledging the past, staying rooted in the present and looking forward to the future all at the same time, which I think is pretty cool. And then this, <laughs> you know, I, I was young at the time, not as young now, but I think this makes jazz digestible for me. Yes. When you, yeah, if you mix in uh, both the live instrumentation and hip hop and, you know, a cool rapper who, you know, I would have never known this dude's name. It is Rasan Kelly, but I feel yeah. like he's a big part of it. What the, what's the first thing we said when he came on here? Bitty, bitty bop, funky, yeah. funky. I think the funky, funky might be a sample, but point being that, that's what made the song memorable to me was Rasan's parts. You know, of course he needed a cool bed to do that over, but I thought his vocal delivery was pretty cool. I also think that Rasan really does have an early De La Soul style delivery. Like mm -hmm. I could see him trading verses with the rest of the guys in De La Soul, especially on like songs like Three is the Magic Number or Me, Myself, and I, where it's kind of that more like laid back, conscious hip hop. You know what I mean? Like it, it's very of 1993 for sure, like his rapping style, but I liked it. I, I, I think that this song's really great. Like I'm glad that we're finally getting around to doing this episode. And we're not going to do like a lyrical breakdown because it's not, it's, it's typical 90s hip hop where it's, very well written, but it's not really saying anything. There's there's nothing mm -hmm. there's nothing deep to extrapolate from the lyrics of. Cantaloupe. I think they were all improv, right? 
Yeah, so it's like groovy, groovy, jazzy, funky, pounce, bounce, dance as we dip into the melodic sea, a rhythm that keeps flowing and dips to MC. Sweet sugar pop, sugar pop, rocks it pop. You don't <laughs> stop till the sweet beat drops. Like it's not about what he's saying; it's about the way he's saying it. For the most part, on these, like it's not. It, it's yeah. very much like when we were looking at the lyrics to "Come Baby Come," where we're like, this song's all over the place lyrically. <laughs> well, sometimes in hip-hop i mean in any type of music really the vocals can serve as an instrument and the sounds coming out of your mouth can just be sounds that sound cool and whatever you can attach i don't think anyone's attaching deep meaning to these lyrics i think it's more just about setting a vibe and a feeling it's no different than like Sigur ross it's like listening to a Sigur ross song like the lyrics to those songs mean nothing it's the it's the way that the vocal delivery on top of the ambient music makes you feel when you're listening to it in that moment. Like, do you think they mean nothing, or are they just in Icelandic? No, they're so they have one album that I love by them that's literally just called Parentheses, and all of the songs are called Untitled, and they created a language of gibberish mixed with Icelandic uh, so that the words mean absolutely nothing to anybody. Right. I know a few songs, but I got to dive into them more. For how much I love Bjork, you'd think I'd like them more. Not to, <laughs> not to assume that every, I'm going to like everyone from Iceland, but you know. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Hi listeners. I'm Carolina and I'm Tessa and together we are Fem Regard Podcast. Mm, Fem. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the FemFam and give us a listen every Friday. 
streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. Back to us three. Us three. Um, it, <laughs> the song is called Cantaloupe because it features a sample of Herbie Hancock's Cantaloupe Island. Yep. And Herbie Hancock will will never do an episode about Herbie Hancock, but I do want to shout out that he has one of the coolest music videos I've ever watched in my entire life. Do you remember the music video for Rocket that he did where it's literally just like the house filled with random robots doing things? No. So it's like a pair of legs just like walking around the room repeatedly and like the one robot's just like flipping uh, eggs in the kitchen. Actually, I think I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is a really weird video and it's the type of video you make when you're making a music video for an instrumental track from a jazz person. Um, but yes, I, and this song showed up in a ton of stuff. I was shocked as to how many things. Let's it talk was about what's the in. most important thing it showed up in, Matt. Well, why don't you tell me? Cause I'm thinking super Mario brothers, but <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely. one Okay. <laughs> super Mario brothers from 1993. That's absolutely the most important thing it showed up in. I, so I don't know what it was. So I could be totally wrong about this, but I feel like I remember this song being a very popular bumper song on like Comedy Central or or MTV or something like that, where it was like, you know, when they're going through the like, uh, you know, coming up next and, uh, you know, a couple reruns of Absolutely Fabulous. And like in the background, you're just hearing like. Hey, funky, funky, <laughs> like yeah, as the voiceover guys go. Oh, they would definitely use a song on AbFab. <laughs> I, I can tell you, Matt, that I remember when this was in the buzz bin on MTV. I remember well, when it was a buzz clip. And I'm going to give a little hint to our Patreon episode. If you haven't checked out our Patreon, I first heard this song on Buzzbin Volume 1. So I'm going to read the full track list of Buzzbin Volume 1 to Chris and let wow. him tell me if it belongs in his Buzzbin or not. If, wow. he, if he agrees with it being a Buzzbin. I'm going to start a <laughs> buzz and I'm going to start a physical Buzzbin at my house. But <laughs> by the next time you come out to visit me, I want you to walk in and take a look at my Buzzbin. Should we have a one hit thunder buzzbin? Should we yes. should we end every episode with our buzzbin? What's the what's the hot new song that we think people should check out? Dude, <laughs> we are seriously going to start a buzzbin. That that is <laughs> such a good idea. Hey, if you are a band or artist and you're listening, uh send us your song, you might get added to the buzzbin. You might get it. Uh, and you know what? We could even make the buzzbin song the outro song once we run out of all these punchline tracks I've been playing. <laughs> um yo, so I would say that Bruce Lundvall, who was the president at the time, and Jeff Wilkinson, they were on to something because at that point, Blue Note Records had never had a platinum album. And now, thanks to us three, they did. Uh, it reached number nine on the Billboard Hot 100 and us three. There you go. But why did us three become a one-hit wonder, Matt? Why, why is that? Because I think that as much as I love this, I feel like this becomes very repetitive novelty music to like 99% of the, the world. Thank you for saying it. Because <laughs> I like this more than the uh, swing revival of the later 90s. But still, this feels... When I'm listening to hip-hop or whatever, I want to I feel the beat more. I don't want to like snap my finger and have some guy go and like bitty bitty bop funky, like funky funky, funky. <laughs> like, that's not really that's not really what i come to hip-hop for you know I, I i come for more than that and i think novelty is it's pretty accurate here 
You know, there's I, not there. You can't really grasp on anything in the lyrics. There's not some. It, it's a vibe. It's a feeling. It reminds me of being in an overpriced coffee shop. Yeah. You know who did this similar concept really, really well is um, Jurassic Five on their album Quality Control. There's a six minute closing instrumental track that's called Swing Set, and it's a similar vibe because Jurassic Five was five MCs and two DJs, and their two DJs did this like six minute song where they're just trading jazz samples over top of hip hop beats back and forth, and it's it's a really cool track. This is the sound of the thirties. One, two, one, two, three, four. A little bit more of what you're looking for because while it's the jazz sample, it's got that heavy bass drum going over top of it the whole time where this really lacks that. There's almost no like true rhythm section outside of what's already on the record for most of this. This song does not slam. And Matt, also when it comes to taking meaning away from the song and going a layer deeper, you brought up Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul. Those are good examples of people that use uh, jazz samples, but there's also substance there. And then even fast forward it to Kendrick Lamar. He uses lots of jazz samples and yet there's so much substance there. And this is just... You know, I think Rasan Kelly's delivery is cool, but he's not saying anything. You know, no. it, there, there's there's not a lot to hold on to there. So I guess that explains the whole one hit wonder. Thing. This is not one where I'm like, how could these guys possibly have been a one hit wonder? But what I did walk away with is how did it take Matt Kelly to be 36 to discover that he really likes the band us three? Well, <laughs> like, you, you keep yeah. calling it a band too. And it's one guy, it's a producer. Every, yeah. I think every album has different vocalists on it. Oh, you, I mean, when you look at the wiki page, the list of like former members is outrageous. Yeah, <laughs> really long. You, they're, they're, it's not a band. It's just a producer who, who makes albums or whatever. So I kind of think the dude should be psyched to have one hit. You know, yeah. he, the last album I think came out in 2000, 2007, and it was a song called Say You Belong to Me. Well, that was the single they made a video for or whatever. There's a female vocalist. It's very funky and poppy, and I actually really liked it. I think I might even like it better than Cantaloupe, or at least as much, but the guy has done a lot of different things. I think he even, I think I read he even did an album that didn't have any Blue Note samplings on it. Like, he did like a Latin uh, influenced album or something. So he's just a producer making music. And I think that's cool, but I think he should be psyched that he had a hit at all when you're not an actual group. Well, and yeah, I mean, they, us three never stopped putting out records. They, I, I mean, I guess they essentially did because their last one was in 2013, but 2013 is a long ass time when your only hit was in 1993. Like that is, that's a lot of dedication to still be regularly releasing albums and for all I know, people just stopped updating Wikipedia in 2013, and he put out like three more things after that, for, for all I know. But uh, I agree with you. There is there is this weird thing where I would almost put this in the same category. I think it's really weird that it keeps, it was like charting on the R&B charts, because like this sound, this music is a lot of things, but I wouldn't really put it in the R&B category. But I feel like it has almost a little bit of like a like a precursor to like a fat boy slim almost. It's way more of like a DJ thing than any like specific musical genre. And I and I I'm saying that knowing that like Fat Boy Slim definitely falls into that the giant 
techno bucket and then like whatever the multiple subcategories that someone who listens to techno more than me would be able to break down. But the idea of like, no, this is a guy with some records creating some really cool music. Like it, it seems like it's in a completely different category than than most genres that you can really classify. And sometimes being in an unclassifiable genre becomes a little difficult as well, because how do you really, how do you find your audience? Well, who (laughs) I, who I would compare this to the most that we've covered on here is the avalanches. Yes. It was taking samples. Now they were much more eclectic in where they took their samples from. They were taking it from all kinds of strange places, but I would like to see what the avalanches would do with this same catalog, because I feel like they're a little more crazy. This is, this is very digestible. It's making a kind of music that is sometimes not digestible into a very digestible thing to the point where I'm saying this sounds like you're in a Starbucks or something. Yeah. Avalanches is way more challenging. Yeah. (laughs) I would like to see what like the avalanches would do and, and really fuck with it and make it weird, you know, but that's, that's just me. But this also leads to a a slightly bigger discussion of even like mashups. You know what I mean? Like, I how how do you feel about mashups? I personally have always been a fan of them, especially multi-layered ones. Like, I'm not that big of a fan of when they're just like, we're gonna take these two songs and the vocals are gonna be on top of the music for this one. But when you get into like the girl talk stuff, where it's like interlooping and it's like kind of this non-stop hour sound of like sample i i dig it i think it's cool i just don't know a situation where i'd want to listen to it maybe if i was at the concert and on a cool drug <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know how else if i was having a party i wouldn't put that on because i'd want to hear the actual songs you know and if i'm just listening to music by myself i'm not necessarily going to put it on because i want to listen to the actual songs, but I'm just me, you know, yeah. I, I, I like it as driving cool. music, but, but, but I, I want to, I want to back it up. I think it's cool. And if people like it, I think, I definitely think it's, it's cool. And it's, it's a, a skill. It's a talent to be able to do that. I just personally don't listen to it. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Uh, all right. Well, I think we have one big question left to ask and I'm pretty sure we, this, if anybody's listening, I think they know where this is going to land thunder or blunder, Chris. Oh, um, the fact that this, I am going to say this is kind of a novelty, man. This, this, this guy got access to the Blue Note Records catalog and made an album that you said you enjoyed it. I, I listened to, I had it on while I was doing stuff and it all kind of just sounded the same to me. And, um, I do like this song, but I think that Jeff Wilkinson is very, uh, should feel very fortunate, not taking anything away from, but should feel very fortunate that he had a hit with what he created. I would say that this is a blunder. And I'm going to say that this is a thunder for me. Uh, I mean, this this did the thing that I think this show was all about doing, which is like similarly to how we did a Grateful Dead episode and I was not a Grateful Dead fan and then walked away adding like three of their albums into my music collection. I think I'm going to be adding some us three into my music collection. Like this was, this is, I really walked away being like, I like this and I want more of this. And you know, that's what this show is about in a weird way, right? Like finding those artists that you, everybody's written off as like not being worth anything more than a hit and discovering that they're actually a pretty solid group. Like, so uh, us three, uh, the producer. Jeff Wilkinson. Project, yeah, Wilkinson. Uh, 
this is this is a thunder for me. I'm I'm going to be listening to more us three in my life. And I will be just as I was before I dove deeper into us three. I will still think Cantaloupe is a pretty good song. And after this episode, I still think that song is a pretty good song. Bitty bitty bop. Bitty bitty bop. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing the Punchline song 21 Forever, Ever, Forever, Ever off their remix album, Politefully Dead. Visit punchline.com for merch, tour dates, and news. We're on Patreon now. Become a patron and get bonus content, early episodes, and a chance to vote on future episodes at patreon.com backslash OHT podcast. Do you want to start a podcast? Contact Chris or myself at weknowpodcasting.com for how we can make your show sound as professional as possible. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder. slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like chocolates. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.